0: Welcome to Comic Book Herald's Best Comics Ever. I'm your host, Dave Busing, founder and editor in chief of comicbookherald.com. Today I'll be going through all of the comics that I've read primarily throughout the month of April 2019 and we'll be adding to the Best Comics of All Time list. The list, as it stands, heading into this week's round or this month's round of editions, are 507 comics deep with about, uh looks like, 10. More to add. I've got some revisions on the list to talk about today. Before I get into all of that, thanks to everyone on Patreon who makes best comics ever and comic book herald endeavors possible. In particular, I'd like to thank a couple contributors in the mysterious benefactor tier. These are the patrons who are donating $10 a month to, to provide support to Comic Book Herald, which is super generous and greatly appreciated. I'd like to say thank you to Robert Mickelson for your support of Comic Book Herald, and thank you, Steve Brennan. This episode is dedicated to you. Additionally, if you're interested in Comic Book Herald endeavors, I recommend everybody check out My Marvelous Year. Uh, it's a reading club that I'm doing with co-host Zach Dean, and we are going through the entire history of Marvel Comics. Zach and I are just starting 1970 right now. So, the Silver Age, uh, basically, we are getting, we're wrapping the 60s, and we'll be done with that in terms of when it's published, I believe in June 2019, or at the very least, it's coming up soon. Um, it's going to be a good like mid-year break, I think, for people who, if you didn't necessarily want to go back and do the 60s or you missed it the first time, we're getting into the 70s. It's a lot of change for Marvel. It's a lot of new character introductions and and really cool new series runs. This is where like famous runs like Chris Claremont's X-Men are going to begin. So if you haven't checked out My Marvelous Year, go to mymarvelousyear.com check out the reading list and the club, um, or of course you can find that podcast wherever uh, wherever you get your podcasts. And I, I recommend if you're going to do that, maybe check out, um, starting with like 1966 or 1967, I think Zach and I are improving every time we do the pod and it gets better as we go. Or actually a good entry would be some of the variant covers we do recently where we answer listener questions. Um, those are a better, like, get a feel for kind of our, our dynamic on the podcast. So with that out of the way, let's get into ranking some comics for this month. Uh, the first few things that I read, I had Black Panther, which I already have the coats run in its entirety ranked pretty high on the best comics of all time list. And I'm not I based on the the what is it the rise? No. The Intergalactic Empire of Wakanda is the Marvel Fresh Start era that Coates is writing with artist Daniel Acuna. It's really cool. It's uh, It takes Black Panther up into space, but there's a lot of mystery and intrigue to that. Like, is this actually our T'Challa? How did he get there? How does this fit in with the continuity of T'Challa the Black Panther leading the Avengers currently on Earth-616? Um, basically, I think the, the moral of the story here is I recommend reading it. I'm not actually going to change my Black Panther ranking based on just this first volume. I need to see more of how it's going to play out before I determine whether or not it will improve Black Panther's placement on the list. Something that will improve on the list, though, is the Venom run by Donny Cates and Ryan Stegman. I am all caught up, as I do, sort of a Road to Absolute Carnage ride that's going to be the marvel event of august 2019 uh you'll be hearing some of that on best comics ever i'll also be putting together a video on the comic book herald youtube channel and of course i've got a reading order already up for the road to absolute carnage on ComicBookHerald.com. but in the process of doing that i'm all caught up on venom including the free comic book day special that uh you know connects with the series and leads to the events of absolute carnage, and I I definitely have a little more, you know, I enjoyed the first arc of Venom. It's got this really fun wild god of symbiotes thing going on. They're they're expanding the mythology of the Venom symbiote. There are symbiote dragons and gods, and it's it's cool and fun. And Stegman's art I, I think has never looked better. Like he's extremely well suited for all of this wild symbiote chaos. Uh the volume two actually starts. It gets more introspective. It brings in some surprising characters, including, of course, Carnage, uh, who has been, actually had a pretty quiet 2000s when you think about it for a guy who is, for a villain, who is kind of still, you know, he's a really popular Spider-Man villain, uh, but he's had, you know, he's had his moments, but he's been dead a lot, actually, or at least appears to have been dead. So anyway, where am I going to rank the first 12 issues of Venom? I had it at 357. On the list, which is obviously not super high. Um, Looking up the list here, I don't think it's as good as All New Wolverine, which I have at 326. Uh, It's definitely not as impressive as X Men Grand Design. Do I like Venom more than Identity Crisis? Probably not. Uh, um, Captain America Epic Collection, the Lee and Kirby bringing Cap back. I actually probably like Venom more than that. Uh, And then that would put it above. Crisis on Infinite Earths, Skyward Volume 1, Maestro's Volume 1. Uh, Maestro's Volume 1 is actually a pretty good comp. The art by Steve Scrooge there is really, really good and cool, um, but it is also, uh, you know, it can, it, the memory of it can fade. So I'm going to put it, move it up right below Identity Crisis, excuse me, and uh, and right above Captain America by Stanley and Jack Kirby, the original bringing him back to to marvel run okay so let's get back to the list uh there was another edition i was going to make here the amazing spider-man omnibus volume 2 this would be the stan lee and john romita era of amazing spider-man it's issues 39 to 67 including annuals three to five as well as spectacular spider-man magazine number one And number two, these issues are absolutely phenomenal. It includes things like the reveal of the Green Goblin's secret identity as Norman Osborn. It includes the uh, Amazing Spider-Man number 50, which is Spider-Man No More saga. So all of which is to say, when I ranked the Amazing Spider-Man Omnibus Volume 1 recently, issues 1 to 38 by Stan and Steve Ditko, um, I put that at number 10, all time. Super high-ranking. I love those comics, and what I'm actually going to do is I'm just going to combine these rankings because I I could make a distinction, I suppose, about which I like more, but it doesn't have that feel. I think John Romita, Jazzy John, picks up where Steve left off and then some. I mean, the stories stay as good, if not better, throughout this era. It is so good. I love these comics. Honestly, I think probably what'll happen is because Amazing Spider-Man stays so good for so long. I would expect the first like 102, I'm going to guess, issues um, to to stay in this number 10 slot. But for the time being, definitely the first two omnibuses combined. So the first 67 issues of Amazing Spider-Man plus five annuals plus you know things like Spectacular Spider-Man magazine are going to stay at my number 10 all-time ranking. And and the moral of the story there is, of course, everybody everybody who thinks that maybe they like Marvel comics. Um, you got to try the silver age Spider-Man. It's so good. And it's, it's so important. Um, and if you're going to have a chance of liking, if you're like, I don't like old comics, they're slow and boring and this and that. That's um, a common attitude that I hear a lot. And honestly, it's totally fair. Like it's, you don't have to like things that were written a long, long time ago for a different audience. Um, but if you're gonna give it a shot, you, you probably want to start with amazing Spider-Man. Okay. That's going to take us to the new stuff Murder Falcon is the highest ranked book that I have on this list. It just wrapped up it's an eight issue series from published by Image Comics by written and drawn by Daniel Warren Johnson, who is one of my favorite writer artist combos working in comics right now. Um, he' did a series called Extremity not that long ago, which was another kind of you know like relatively um, closed looped kind of thing, you know, it was a single story and then it was done, and uh Murder Falcon is a lot less serious than Extremity. The premise here is more or less that the power of rock, particularly the power of heavy metal, uh, creates these sort of like, they're almost kaiju, but a little less uh monstrous sort of beings, so in this instance, the main character, his guitar riffs, his righteous licks, can create this being known as the Murder Falcon, aka Murph for short, and he's a giant falcon wearing a headband who can fight and destroy evil monsters. <laughs> and as as corny, no, not corny. It's not corny at all. It's just super fun. As ridiculous as that sounds, uh, Murder Falcon is. It's one of the best looking books of 2018, 2019, and it's definitely the most fun. I think I've had reading almost any comic like it's so enjoyable to see Warren Johnson just playing with this, having fun. I'm a huge sucker for this sort of tenacious D esque attitude about the power of righteous metal and the idea that it would create these, you know, like these weaponized, you know, animalistic (laughs) beings who who can talk, but also are fighting off the forces of of chaos and evil, it's, this book is delicious, it's also got, like, then it gets a very emotional and emotionally resonant subplot, or not even subplot, um, you know, sort of a developing plot, as the book goes, that hits really hard, so it goes from, you know, fun, absurd twists to that combined with, like, a real, you know, real-life drama, Um, and it's all interwoven beautifully, again, I, these are eight Excellent, excellent issues. This book's going to do really well (laughs) on the best comics of all time list. Honestly, I'm scrolling way up. I'm looking in the top 100. Um, Probably the book that I ranked that high recently was Fujitsu from Aftershocks, a five-issue series that was just like, I was just delighted how fun it was. Um, Just the energy and, and the joy in those pages. I think Murder Falcon beats that even, which... Would put it. It puts it in some tough company. I don't think I can go much higher than that because if we look above in that again, like I've said this, I say this every podcast. When you get inside the top 100, these are all comics I really love. These are all great that I would recommend to just about anybody. And I think like at number 93, I have DC Metal: The Complete Event, which I am on record as a huge fan of. Right above that, I've got Underwater Welder, which is a Jeff Lemire book from Top Shelf. The very emotionally resonant, kind of Twilight Zone-esque book. Um, Doctor Strange, Doctor Doom, Triumph and Torment by Roger Stern and Mike Mignola. Okay, so looking above Fujitsu, the the book right above it is Ultimates by Al Ewing and Kenneth Rockford, which is a Marvel book that I also absolutely adore. I don't think I can go above that, but I can go above Fujitsu, putting it inside the top 100. Let's see, what else would that put that above? That would put it above 52 the complete DC epic from from the mid 2000s. It will put it above Grant Morrison's run on Animal Man. It'll put it above the abominable Charles Christopher, and on and on. But I'm okay with that. Uh, Murder Falcon is a highly highly recommended read. I think if you don't if you don't have like a fun again like that tenacious D attitude is sort of grating on you. I don't know that you're gonna like this book. Definitely, I think anyone can appreciate. Just some of the best art and comics, uh, but definitely that particular facet of it is what puts it quite so high. For me, I think without that, it's probably, you know, a slightly more middle of the road. So that's going to be our new number 97 on the list. And that's going to take us to the next book I want to rank, which is. Uh, This is the Thor Epic Collection. This is Stan Lee and Jack Kirby written. So again, looking at those My Marvelous Year Silver Age reads. And this is going to cover Thor issues. Uh, It's the Epic Collection known as To Wake the Mangog. And it's going to be issues 154 to 174. And this was definitely, as I've been doing the My Marvelous Year reread um, as part of the podcast, a lot of it is familiar to me. You know, I, I read these and I know I love Fantastic Four. I love uh, Spider-Man from this time period. And I knew I liked Thor. I knew there was good stuff here. But actually, it stood out to me. And and definitely, Zach talks about this a lot on the podcast about it being one of his favorites. Um, Thor's great. And I think actually one thing I've come to realize is as the 60s progress, Fantastic Four starts out better and it peaks sooner. But Thor actually gets stronger towards the end of the 60s like way more so than the um the other Stanage Jack, you know, like leader of the pack Fantastic 4. I actually think Thor's better than FF from like 67 to 70. And it's these issues in particular that stand out among them. Now, the reason I went back to these uh with a lot of focus was in the Etsy 2 this year. Chicago Comic Con, Jason Aaron was on a, some War of the Realms panels. It's Marvel's 2019 event, which I'm reading and, and keeping up with every tie-in over on Comic Book Herald. And Jason Aaron referenced this mangog story, the origin and debut of the mangog, as a huge influence on his Thor run, which now extends some seven years, starting with Thor God of Thunder and the Marvel Now era. And I was kind of I was very interested to hear that because I really didn't remember. The Mangog Run, and it went back and it checked it out, and it starts you know about Thor 154 there, and it's so good, it's so fun, and like Stan and Jack are building the Asgardian mythos, they're weaving in Odin and Balder and Carnilla, Queen of the Norns, and Hela makes her debut around this time, and you've got of course the Warriors three have their good moments, Um, and then of course Thor, Loki, Lady Sif, and all of that, like these are really great Asgard stories, so. These issues in particular are going to do pretty well on my list. Now, what I want to check is where I actually have um, other Thor stories on the best comics of all time list. I've got Mighty Thor the Jane Foster era quite high at number 182 on the list. So that might be the one to look at. Okay, I've got the actual debut of Thor in Silver Age Marvel by Stan and Jack at number 278 on the list. It's def- Okay, so it's going to go above that for sure. I like it better than the start of Thor. Do I like it as much as the Russell Dauterman, drawn, Matt Wilson-colored, Mighty Thor, Jane Foster era? Uh, it's definitely an influence, obviously very directly, as, as I just mentioned, Jason Aaron, the writer of that series, has referenced. Um, so I think in terms of influence and import, it's definitely... Better. I would rather personally read the Jane Foster Mighty Thor era again. Uh, some of that might just be you know a little Silver Age burnout and and preferring slightly more modern stuff. Um, let's see above Mighty Thor Jane Foster I've got Thanos War, Warlock and the Avengers by Jim Starlin. Um, I've got Batman RIP by Grant Morrison. I've got John Burns Superman probably like it more than john bernard superman i might have to move that down a bit um hmm <laughs> this gets tough as it always does i think right below mighty thor jane foster era i've got captain marvel by kelly c DeConnick. i've got farmhand which is only a volume so i think okay farmhand's my floor i'm, I'm gonna put this thor volume above farmhand no matter what i love farmhand it's super fun but it's short right now there hasn't been a ton to it Uh, so do I like it more than modern mighty Thor Jane Foster era or Captain Marvel that's tough I probably don't but looking above them I see some books that maybe I do like it more than which might just be a function of needing to change the list a little bit like I've got Paper Girls the first couple volumes at 175. I just haven't read enough of that. I need to read more Paper Girls, I think is really really where we're netting out here. Okay, I'm going to put it above Farmhand and below Captain Marvel by Kelly Sue Deconic. That is where To Wake the Mangog is going to go. And Again, that's Thor number 154 to number 174 which if you want to read, I, again, highly recommend you check out My Marvelous Year uh, because we are going to cover that and then some. So, okay, that's going to be the new number 184 on the list, and I feel pretty good about that. That's definitely one of our higher-ranked Silver Age books. Okay, let's see if we can't get through uh, two or three more. I think, you know, one thing, the books that I'm ranking here on this episode, uh, I liked all of them from, you know, varying degrees, but like either a lot or or just general, yeah, that was good. Uh, you know, often when I'm going through these, I have some books that actually I wasn't very into, but all these are going to do reasonably well, uh, including the next book, which is Fearscape, volume one, five issues from Vault Comics. It's written by Ryan O'Sullivan with art by Andrea Muti. And Fearscape is was one of my favorite comics in 2018, and it has continued in this trend of being Absolutely, one of my favorite comics that I've I found um, over the past year. Basically, the premise is there is a there's a writer who is a an extremely unreliable narrator, and he is trying to steal an actual. He's he's kind of a phony, and his writing. He thinks he's great. He's got arrogance like you wouldn't believe. Um, But his writing itself isn't necessarily that great. He's the understudy for a truly, you know, well-respected and critically acclaimed author. And he tries to steal, quite literally, this author's muse. uh, And it takes him into this realm known as the Fearscape. So it's a lot about, like, inspiration and how art is created and muses. um, But it's so much more than that. And I think the thing that I like most about Fearscape is it is extremely meta. I mean, the last issue, or Fairscape number four in particular, I mean, the the narrator is talking directly to you, the reader, and implicating you in the events as they're happening. It reminds me a lot of the issue of Ultra Comics in Grant Morrison's Multiversity, uh, which I think is absolutely brilliant to sort of hold the reader accountable for what is happening in these comics, you know, and and sort of being complicit in the events. I love that stuff. And Fearscape does that over and over again. It also, it calls out every trick. It calls out every stylistic decision um, because this narrator is so arrogant and sort of well versed though in the ways of writing if he pulls a trick he immediately calls it out saying no that's you know for for bad writers which like it's having your cake and eating it too it's doing the thing but then simultaneously fo- poking fun at it and saying you know oh only a only a lesser writer would actually do that even though they just did it i if you're a writer or an english major or, or just have a lot of respect for contemporary classics. I mean, there's a whole page about like James Joyce's Ulysses, ostensibly. So um, it, it's so good. This book is really, really fun. It sounds like maybe it would be boring, but it's not because there's a lot of action and spiritual entities and, you know, all these sort of mystical realms. Um, yeah, these five issues of Fearscape are going to go really, really high on my list. Um, I think they're extremely fun. So Let's see. I'm looking up here, and honestly, like I'm going very high very quickly. I don't know that it's as good as Wicked and Divine by Karen Gillen and Jamie McKelvey. Let's see. Right above that, I've got Orion, the Walt Simonson DC era, um, Pride of Baghdad, which is a really concise, well-put-together graphic novel written by Brian K. Vaughn. But right below Wicked and Divine, I've got the first volume of Stumptown by Greg Rucka and Matt Southworth. I've got Black Magic, also written by Greg Rucka. I've got the first volume of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Gotham Academy, Kingdom Come, etc., etc. I don't really have a problem ranking it above any of those. It's that good. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to put it below Wicked and Divine and right above Stumptown is where Fearscape is by Vault Comics is going to go. Now, Vault is, I think, really on a run lately. And there's, I have another Vault book on this list of recent reads called Frendo. Um, they, there's been kind of this rush over the last couple years of newer comic book publishers. I've talked about Black Mask a fair amount on this list because I've liked a, a decent chunk of their work. Um, but Vault is the one that has stood out the most to me, I think, late 2018 into 2019 with, honestly, like the best comics. I think, you know, Fearscape, Frendo, The Savage Shores, they've had some really good material. Give Vault a look because they, I think they're the one who's going to come out of this rush, at least as it stands right now, um, with a little more solid footing because of the the quality of what they're producing. So, all right, I'm going to take time to do uh at least one more, maybe two. So the next book I'm going to rank is Action Comics. Actually, let's just, let's do this. Let's do... Superman era by Brian Michael Bendis. Um, I think that that'll give us a slightly broader swath of comics to talk about. And honestly, it's pretty true to what's going on. So when Bendis left Marvel, he was a Marvel writer from, let's see, 2000 to, I guess, uh, 2018. And he was one of the biggest writers at Marvel, um, you know, really in their history. I tackled virtually every book. Uh, I don't want to do a whole giant Bendis thing, but he created characters like Jessica Jones, Miles Morales. Um, he did ultimate Spider-Man for years and years and, and made that, you know, it was a big part of why the ultimate universe was so successful. So Bendis was a huge name. And it, I think by the time Marvel was, by the time he was leaving Marvel, there was definitely more of a mixed reception to him because he had honestly, this decade, Which, you know, sounds like a crazy long time, but really once you hit, like, post-2010, his work is significantly more uneven. Um, He takes on the X-Men for a long time. I would call that a very inconsistent run with moments. He takes on Guardians of the Galaxy over that time, which I personally am not a fan of, really, at all. Um, And then he kind of had, I would say, a resurgence towards the end of his time with Marvel, where he came back to Jessica Jones in a very good series. He wrote a series called Infamous Iron Man, which takes a look at, you know, Dr. Doom taking on the role of Iron Man post-Secret Wars, which is also very good. Um, he creates Iron Heart during this time, or co-creates Iron Heart, uh, which is now a series written by Eve Ewing. So he was he was on a roll, and he decided to leave Marvel, which I think, honestly, like, generally Marvel fans were pretty okay with. At least I was. Um, I, I'll definitely defend Bendis, I think he's if certain circles, he'll get a really bad rap. Um, I love his two thousands work, his new vendors and stuff. It's it helped me get into comics. And I think there are, you know, anyway, I don't want to do a whole Avengers thing, but it helped me get into comics and I've enjoyed it quite a bit. So here it goes to DC, and I questioned, honestly, if he was uh if he was the guy who was like he's not he's not new and we kinda know what he can do, and is he just gonna take his same style and slap it onto Superman? And it's it's worked phenomenally well, particularly in the pages of Action Comics. So the way his Superman run works is it kicked off with, well, it kicked off with Action Comics 1000. He had a short story that sort of set the stage for what he was going to do. And I got to say, at this point, it looked pretty, pretty silly. Um, it was just Superman fighting this big, ugly mug called Rogel Czar. He's a big alien. And it felt very late 80s, 90s throwback. Um, and just really not fresh at all. That led to a six issue mini called, or I guess not a mini, but called Man of Steel came out weekly. And that set the stage for his two ongoing Superman books, which are Superman and Action Comics. And uh, the one that I love, that I'm going to talk about in the most detail, is Action Comics. Because in the pages of Action Comics right now, through issues number 1001 to 1010, currently at the time of this recording, he's setting the stage for all sorts of wild spy, um, sort of like warfare. And it's the rise of Leviathan as this new spy entity. Now, if you're a DC comics reader, you recognize the name Leviathan as an organization that came out of Graham Morrison's Batman Inc. And was at that time, um, well, I'm not gonna spoil it, but it was headed by someone that Batman readers are familiar with. So, Bendis is bringing them back, but they're different and it's a change. And honestly, putting it in the context of Superman, who is not a character I think of in, in the realm of spies and dealing with organizations like checkmate or characters like Amanda Waller. Um, but it's been a really good fit and Bendis is weaving in all sorts of sort of detective characters who fit these narratives. Like the question gets a couple nice appearances. Um, you've got Kate Spencer makes a brief cameo of, of sorts. So, Action Comics has been great. It's one of my favorite DC reads of the year. I'm extremely excited for what they're calling Event Leviathan, which is the event that all of this is building to. And uh, the Superman era by Bendis is off to a a very, very good start. Uh, Again, there's a pretty decent-sized road ahead. I think one criticism that I am on board with is Bendis has had a hard time sticking landings uh, in his Marvel work, even the stuff that I like. Um, But to this point, the build has been very fun. I think it's not going to go anywhere near as high as a lot of the books I've talked about already, Um, but it's going to do reasonably well. I'm looking... So I've got Checkmate, the Greg Rucker written run at 279 uh, with a lot of art by Jesus Sayas. That's obviously a spy-focused saga. I don't think it's quite that good. Um but it might not go too far below. Let's see, is it as good as his work on Jessica Jones? I would actually say it's better, I think. So then we got to look above Jessica Jones. We've got, let's see, Batman Under the Hood. We've got Green Arrow the Longbow Hunter. Hmm, kind of stalling as I scan through this, which makes for riveting listening i'm sure um it's definitely going to go right in this range the question is where so i'm going to put it i think right above wonder woman rebirth year one which i'm less into than a lot of people admittedly and that's going to make it i think our new number 285 let me double check that 286 all right so the Bendis era of Superman is going to go as the new number 286 on the list. And that's going to do it for the books I'm going to rank this round. We got a lot of good stuff in there. And uh, again, if you want to check out where all these books are and where they rank in relation to other comics that have ranked over time, you can go to comicbookcarol.com slash the best comics of all time with a hyphen between each word in the best comics of all time. Thank you very much for listening. Again, music for Best Comics Ever is provided by Anthony Weiss. You can find more of his music at AnthonyWEIS.com. Again, I'm Dave Busing, and you can find all of my writing and work at comicbookherald.com. Thanks very much for listening, and let's see. I was about to do the My Marvelous Year sign-off, but that's not totally right, so enjoy the comics.